we've really lost what it means to love as a Christian. Um, I think the world's tried to trick and confuse Christians and tell us that we're loving people wrong by by not affirming their sin. And I think a lot of Christians have honestly, unfortunately, fallen to that and think that, oh, but we're supposed to love everyone. And they're not remembering how Jesus loves and how. Right. And so that was just something I wanted to highlight today. We know we're supposed to love our neighbor as Christians. But a lot, again, a lot of people have confused and misused this meaning of love. And so I just wanted to go through a couple of scriptures, being that it's Valentine's Day, about how to love our neighbors. Um, we have Ephesians 4.15, which says, Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Then Ephesians 4.25 states, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. And so... Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Hello, everyone, and happy Valentine's Day. We have our coffees here today. We do. We do. I have a dirty chai, as per usual. I asked Greg if they can make it pink for Valentine's Day, but it came back brown, so I don't know what happened with that. They had no food coloring <laughs> at Labu. Labu is where we went to get coffee today. I went to our other favorite place chicory but they were closed yeah that is a bummer all right well if you are watching live you can see that greg and i are together in person this time instead of doing it um separately so that's always fun but we wanted to tune in today i know it's the middle of the week we normally do this at the end of the week because there is a lot going on yes, at there the capital across the state across the nation so yesterday, well, here's what we'll talk about. Yesterday, there was a Cal Matters kind of conversation, more so debate, I would say. Now, Cal Matters, for those of you who don't know, is a journalistic organization. I think they're a nonprofit. And they do a lot of in-depth journalism uh, covering capital issues. And we were really excited that they decided to cover an issue that's near and dear to our hearts. Mm -hmm. uh, parent notification, book banning which is not really banning we're simply protecting kids from pornography but that's how they labeled it but anyway it was great yeah so we're gonna dive into that we're gonna show you guys all video clips from that we're also gonna talk about which i'm sure you've already heard or seen on social media there's been a lot of debate conversation different things around this but the super bowl ad he gets us so we're gonna watch that and kind of give our take on the situation um, and then we're just going to dive into it being Valentine's Day. It's Love Day. And quite often as Christians, I think people are forgetting how Christians are actually supposed to love others on earth today. And That's so right. we're going to dive into What love really it. means. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. All right. So this Cal Matters interview, Greg, who, who was it between? Well, we had a couple legislators who were uh, being interviewed. Um, one was uh, Assembly Member Corey Jackson. Uh, he's a fairly new member of the legislature, along with another new member, uh, Bill Asaley. And so uh, you get, these are 
two polar opposite legislators. One uh, is really interested in preventing parents from deciding what kind of curriculum or books are in their libraries. And he passed a bill last year with the help of Governor Newsom mm -hmm. to limit the powers of local school districts to decide what books are you know, and what curriculum they have. And then we have Bill Asaley, mm -hmm. who championed last year parental rights by, he tried to have a parent notification policy passed at the Capitol, but they didn't even, they wouldn't even let him debate it, mm -hmm. right? So he took it to local school districts and around 10 other school districts picked up that uh, mantle and passed the policy. But now you got the uh, Attorney General, you know, filing lawsuits, you got investigations uh, by you know, the Department of Ed. Um, so lots of controversy. So it's it was great to have a real debate. And uh, so we're going to show you some of that. Yeah. And so you mentioned Bill Asaley's bill, AB 1314, that never even got a hearing. Right. He touches that um, on that topic at the intro. Um, he got a little chance to start off and give a little summary about what he was there to talk about. Right. So let's check out that. And I think it's a really important conversation. Um, I'll just note that we're going to have more of a dialogue about this bill than was ever had in the legislature because my bill wasn't even afforded a hearing. And I think that's a real problem in, in this legislature where one party feels like they don't even need to have a discussion on issues. They get to just dominate and shut down opposition. And I think that's why you see this issue cropping up is when you don't allow a forum for democracy and opposing viewpoints to be heard, it's going to pop up in other places, whether that's in local school boards or whether that's in the ballot initiative that's being put forward now. So and that's exactly what we saw. It didn't get any conversation up at the Capitol. And so we did go school board to school board to kind of get that bill going. Right. Um, so he dives into that, which I'm glad there was an opportunity to have that conversation with a Democrat legislator because we didn't get to experience that or hear from them on this last year. They just chose to silence the situation instead. Right. But Corey Jackson had some interesting things to say as well. <laughs> Um, we can dive into a clip of his, but Greg, you had a pretty good quote from Corey Jackson about this, just one of the better quotes that got yeah, Well, through. he was all over the place, mm -hmm. but, you know, he was talking, now he identifies as homosexual himself, right? And so his worldview is that if you disagree with him about sexual orientation or gender identity, if you're a parent that disagrees with him, then really you're a danger to your own children. And because you're a danger, the state has a, a obligation to come in and protect those kids from you. And, and he, he, uh, one of the things he said, he said, if you're not going to respect the lived experience of those who've actually lived through that kind of stuff, talking about his own life, I think that's immoral. Right. So that's how he views people who disagree with him on these issues as immoral, um, which is, you know, you know, uh, wow. So, well, and his whole point behind saying that, saying that if you're not going to listen to those experience of these lived people they're they're talking about the high school students. That's really kind no, of they're talking about high school, junior high. Mm -hmm. They're talking about kindergarten and elementary school. Yes. Right. Because the, the kindergartners know exactly from their lived experience who they really are. <laughs> that's yes. what they're arguing. And it's beyond disturbing that they're that's that's what he's focusing on. He's focusing on children 
And like you said, from kindergarten through 12th grade is really what they're emphasizing here in this conversation and saying, well, it's immoral to not listen to their lived experiences. But for myself, I was in high school not too long ago. I graduated high school in 2018. And my lived experience through high school was the fact that I had to be silent or choose social suicide if I wanted to disagree with the craziness. And it's not even nearly as crazy. It wasn't nearly as crazy then as it is now, the right. stuff that's being forced onto kids. But what about standing up for all the kids that don't agree what's being forced down their throats, but they don't have the opportunity to stand up and speak out against it? So he's just completely disregarding anything and saying, you either agree with us or you're immoral. And that's the stance he took. Right. Um, and so as he began to talk on this issue, he mentioned that he wants to be careful. When I say he, um, assembly member Corey Jackson mentioned he wants to be careful with the language and words he uses, making sure not to demonize people, <laughs> which is great. We shouldn't be demonizing people and when speaking about them and having these conversations. Right. But he said that all well last year, he spent quite a few different times in committee hearings on Twitter, demonizing people. Right. So let's just kind of watch what he had to say yesterday, as well as a committee hearing from last year. I'm trying to be responsible for my words, because this is truly going to be a dangerous year. AB 1078 is a bill um, that... Um, intends to combat the uh, national uh, Christian white supremacist movement, which is aims to ban books, school curriculum, um, and even more in our schools. It's something that I worry about when I think about my own humanity and the importance of protecting my own humanity so I am not othering other people. That I'm, uh, that I'm not, that I'm demonizing other people. Uh, we're really talking about the radicalization um, of the Christian faith to, um, quite frankly, um, draw upon people's angers, economic angst, uh, people's um, search for additional resources, um, and drawing upon people's biases. Uh, to really achieve and use that anger to achieve a political objective. So if you disagree with Assemblymember Jackson about the push for the sexualization of children in schools, you're a white Christian supremacist, according to him. Right. Isn't that demonizing, right? I mean, it's exactly what demonizing is. And, you know, what kind of books are parents protesting, right? They're they're protesting obscenity mm -hmm. in school, introducing kids to sex at a very young age in elementary school, and then pornographic books that are pushed on them, not just in the curriculum, but in the school libraries. That's what's being protested. Mm -hmm. And he labels all those people, you know, white Christian nationalists. I mean... <laughs> and it's common sense. It's the law, actually, that parents have the right to get involved, to know what's going on in their children's lives. Yet, it was brought to our attention yesterday during the Cal Matters interview that the people hosting it and all that didn't realize that's actually a situation. So let's kind of watch what Bill Saley has to say about that. 
To clarify, um, the state of California does have a law that students are entitled to privacy related to gender issues. They are not entitled to privacy over things like grades, um, attendance, discipline, certain health issues. Parents have a right to know those things, um, but it does say that uh, students have a right to privacy related to gender issues. No, not from their parents. The law does not say children have a right to privacy from parents. They have a right to privacy from third parties, but parents are their legal guardians. There is no law, there is no case that has ever said children have a right to privacy from parents. In fact, that would be unconstitutional. And that's, that's my opinion. I think that's the opinion of uh, at least one federal judge who's opined on the issue. And I think this will go up to the Supreme Court. But, but I disagree with that statement. That's great. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it is never being conceived that a five-year-old has privacy rights from their own parents, right? It, it, everybody knows that's ridiculous. Parents have custody of kids because kids don't have the capacity to make decisions for themselves. They, they have caretakers, right? Everybody knows this, right? It's, yeah. it's so ridiculous. And so, and one of the things that uh, Asaley said that I thought was great, and I'm going to read you his quote. Um, he was just talking about, you know, what what is it that's gotten parents so upset, right? He's, he's trying to explain the strong reaction of, of parents. Um, you know, why are they showing up at school boards? Why are they protesting so much? Mm -hmm. Is it all generated by hatred? No. And here's what he said. He says, he says, that's why you get such a strong reaction from people like me and Republicans and parents, because they do not believe that the government has a legitimate role in telling them how to live their lives and how to raise their children. That's not up for negotiation. I mean, it used to be a, a Everybody knows that you, you get to, in this country, you get to decide the values and beliefs that you pass on to your own kids, right? And it would seem like the most, one of the most fundamental beliefs you can pass on to them is what their identity is based on, right? Are you a male or a female? How do you know, how do you know if you're a male or a female? How, how's a child supposed to determine that? Well, it only like, how long ago it was just common sense. Everybody, I bet everybody who was born today was told what their gender was. And that's because their parents believed their biology determined it. Mm -hmm. And now that's a, a dangerous belief to pass along to your children. It, it's so ridiculous. Uh, it, what, what's most ridiculous is that we haven't st stood up to this yet and just said, no, we're not going to put up with this. You know, we're not going to be cowed into fear because the other side calls us unloving, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What what does it mean to really love someone, mm -hmm. right? To to say you're loving yet you can't stand up for reality, that's a contradiction in terms, right? And so Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we have one more clip to show you guys from Corey Jackson. Um, so I'll just play that up now. This year is about killing any movement that is using children as political pawns. Creating a process where parents who are legitimately concerned based upon what they're hearing in the news and what they're hearing in other places, they're now concerned. And if I were a parent, I would be concerned too if I was hearing those things. And now they're going to their school board trying to make sure that the worst in their minds are not happening. 
Okay, so if you didn't catch what he was trying to say there, he is saying parents are being lied to by basically us, the people that are saying these, this is what's being pushed in the sex education. This is what's in these horrible books that's about rape, that's about incest, that's about how to get on dating apps that are just these like horrible things for these five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, kindergarten through high school. He's basically saying, we're lying to them. Of course, parents are worried. So they have to go to their school boards and cause a ruckus because they think all this stuff's happening. And basically he's saying none of this is even going on, which is beyond ridiculous because if it wasn't happening, why would he have to try to create a bill last year to stop it from us stopping it? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. No, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. It, and that's what, what the typical pushback is. I mean, they don't address the actual books that were presenting the actual curriculum. Mm -hmm. They make uh, attacks, general attacks. Either we're exaggerating, we're distorting, um, we're riling up parents for no reason. There's nothing to see here, parents. You know, we're just out for ratings. Yep. You know, and I, I get a lot of, listen, I, I get there's a lot of voices out there that encourage you to panic over everything, right? And, and, and I hope we're not doing that. But we, listen, if, if the, the government starts to imply and starts to pass laws undermining your role in your own children's lives and then threatening to take your kids away if, if you don't comply with what they want, Folks, at some point, um, that's not fear-mongering if we tell you the truth, mm -hmm. right? And so your job is, is to figure out, are, are we telling you the truth? Look at the facts we're presenting. Look at the evidence we're presenting. And then make your own determination. I mean, that's all we can do here. Yeah, and so he says, like, basically he said right there, this isn't really happening. But last year during committee hearing, um, a mom came and she read from a book that is in her child's California public school library and read these horrific scenes during his bill. So Senator Ochoa Bo says, okay, Assemblymember Jackson, are you okay with that being read to children and public education? And instead of saying, no, I'm not okay. That's actually horrible. He, well, I don't, I have to read the whole book. I don't know the context, all that stuff. First of all, if it wasn't as horrible as we were saying it is, couldn't he just said, yeah, that's fine for them to hear? He couldn't admit that he was wrong, but also couldn't admit that people shouldn't be hearing that. And then now he hear, here he is this year lying and saying it's not happening. No, one of the things that was missing from yesterday's discussion is just the, like, what do they believe about obscenity in school? Like, do you, and I would ask the same question to Governor Newsom. Mm -hmm. Do you think obscenity should be in children's material in high school, junior high. And if you, if you don't think they should be looking at obscene pornographic material, okay, what standard are you using to judge that? Because I'd, I'd love to see, and I'd love to see you draw a line because I don't see them drawing any lines. Like some, you know, all they say is, well, it should be age appropriate. But what the heck does that mean? That's, that's up to the eye of the beholder. I mean, there's some really graphic stuff that I've heard from the Department of Ed that it's age appropriate that, you know, would get you arrested if you handed that stuff to kids in a park. So, uh, you know, that's what needs to be discussed. Obscenity is real. There's real rules out there currently outside the education context for obscenity. Like an adult hands obscene material, sexual material to a minor, that's a crime. Mm -hmm. And yet in the education 
sphere, uh, there is an exemption, right? And they're pretending, you know, that's not an issue, that we're exaggerating, that it's, you know, it's all part of the white Christian nationalist plot. Anyway. Yes. Well, on to the next topic. (laughs) My (laughs) rant is over. If you were one of the millions and millions of people that watched the Super Bowl this past weekend, it's the one time I think we all sit down and actually want to watch the commercials and see what the commercials are. So there was a commercial by the He Gets Us organization. Um, They claim to be this Christian organization, but we found some stuff saying not everyone that works for them needs to necessarily be Christian or have that Christian faith. So there's just been some interesting things coming out. But they had the millions and millions of dollars to put together an ad for the Super Bowl um, about Jesus. So let's just watch what that ad was, just in case you haven't seen it yet. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart I I was standing You were there Two worlds colliding And they could never Also, if you are tuning in via podcast and just listening, (laughs) you can go to our Facebook page, California Family Council, or our YouTube page um, is also California Family Council. So you can actually watch the video. um, So you can then fast forward and see that. So sorry if you're tuning in, but it's the He Gets Us video ad campaign. So if you haven't seen that yet, you can just Google search that or go to our YouTube and watch the podcast. But Greg, what were your thoughts? Well, at the very end, it's it's a montage of different people washing each other's feet, right? Um, and, and as you know, uh, there is a, a place in the Bible when Jesus was, it was his last night um, before his crucifixion, and he washed his disciples' feet, right? And his disciples didn't want him to wash his feet because they felt embarrassed that he, being the Son of God, uh, uh, would want to do that kind of thing, um, to serve and love uh, his disciples, right? And so washing, and he's, and then Jesus said, you know, go and do likewise, right? And so he was trying to uh, show an example to his disciples of how Christians are supposed to be in society. So that part is is great, right? And But at the very end, it says, Jesus didn't teach hate, he washed feet, Right? And so the implica- and then the different montages of people, like one that really rubbed me wrong was uh, a, an abortion counselor looked like she she was uh, washing the feet of somebody in front of an abortion clinic. And then off to the right, you see people with signs that say, you know, save save the unborn or so the implication is that standing up against abortion, Attending a march, saying the truth about how the value of the unborn is hate. Because at the very end, 
it, the, they put up these words on the screen. They say, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's an implication. You know, Jesus didn't come to talk about sin. He only came to, to show compassion and love for folks. And that, that is an incomplete <laughs> uh, view of what love is. It's an incomplete view of what Jesus came to do. Jesus came. Um, to save sinners, right? And he called people to repent and put their faith in him. That was his main message. And that include being very compassionate towards those trapped in sin. Mm-hmm. But his compassion towards them, his ultimate goal was to free them from their sinful behavior that was destroying their lives, right? So when he reached out to the prostitutes and the, the tax collectors, and he went to their homes, and he spent time with sinners, which the religious leaders didn't like, right? What was his goal? His goal was conversion, right? To draw people away from their sin, to save the lost, right? And he would do anything to save the lost, right? But, but the whole point is that we're lost, and that message was completely lost <laughs> in that that um, portrayal of what Jesus came to do. And so that's why it's caused such consternation, right? Mm-hmm. To and, and I think society is shifts back and forth between two views of Jesus. You know, at some points in history, uh, we've all been all about talking about Jesus, talking about the rules and the sin and forgetting the compassionate love that Jesus had for sinners. And But now I think we're in a time where we're all about affirming and love. I mean, we're about affirming and not holding anybody to any standards, just affirming whatever they want to be, mm-hmm. right? And forgetting about the sin that Jesus wants to save us from. Um, well, and that's not Jesus. That's not the portrayal of accurate portrayal of Jesus either. So Absolutely. And that's what Jesus does love everyone and he loves us so much. He wants us to come to know him and come to be saved in him and to stop living in sin. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you're no longer a sinner. It's being aware of your sins and repenting and doing your best daily to live closer to Jesus and farther from sin. And so, like you said, there was the abortion clinic photo. There was also one where it was obviously a transgender man or something like that. Um, The whole point is to know that when Jesus came down and died and was crucified for us, it wasn't so we can keep sinning and know, knowing that it's taken right. care of. It's so we can choose every day to not live in sin, have the ability to repent in him. And he has that grace that even though we're sinners, we can still be saved in Christ. Um, right. Yeah, just one, one point. Mm-hmm. At one point, Jesus, it was actually Paul, Apostle Paul afterwards said, you know, don't misinterpret Jesus's love for us as though that means he's accommodating sin. Mm-hmm. He says, um, uh, uh, the kindness of Christ is to draw people to repentance. Mm-hmm. That is the reason God is so merciful to us and eager to forgive all of our sin is to take the guilt away, but then transform us into a, a new person, a, one that follows God, the one who obeys his commandments, right? And so, Kindness is not to say, ah, sin's not a big deal. No, the kindness is to lead us to repentance. Absolutely. And so there was a pastor, it's actually a UK pastor, 
who saw this and decided to make his own version of this video. So again, if you're listening on podcasts, I would really, really recommend going to our YouTube channel and watching so you can see this video. It was a really powerful video. Um, his assistant pastor, Jamie Bambrick, posted the video on X, which is formerly known as Twitter. And so we just want to show you guys this version. Um, yeah. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. So at the very end of the video, he says, Jesus doesn't just get us, he transforms us. And throughout that video, it shows montages of, of, of people. And it says, former witch. And then it shows her before and then after she got saved. And it says, uh, former Ku Klux Klan member, former drug addict, former gang leader, former lesbian activist, former abortionist, former porn star, former transgender uh, person, um, you know, that's what Jesus is about, transforming people from being lost to being found. It was beautiful. It brings tears to your eyes. And oh, if that would have been shown instead so to millions and millions of people on the Super Bowl, wow, there's an accurate picture of what God does. He changes lives, right? And that is what we should we need to be preaching, and and sadly that didn't come across. And I heard that was the most watched television show of all time. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how many millions. It was over a hundred million people yeah. watched it. But wow. Yeah, it just. I mean, we just watched that video, and I've already watched it multiple times, and it literally like brings chills to me. It's that's what the love of Christ is. It's that. When you come to Christ, you don't have to remain in that lifestyle. You don't have to remain in that sin. And it's the fact that he doesn't love you any less because you did live in that lifestyle. That doesn't change his love for you. It's the fact that you now get to know him. And sometimes he will say, oh, well, Christians, you have all these rules that you're not supposed to do this and supposed to do that and follow all these world things. No, because God created the world. He's created what's best for us. These rules aren't because he hates us and doesn't want us to experience these things. These rules are because he knows what's the best life for us. Absolutely. And so these videos just kind of go back to, again, the whole, it's emphasizing to love our neighbors through truth. Right. And love has to be in truth. And so if we keep telling them like, oh, it's okay to keep living in your sinful lifestyle. You don't need to repent that's not truthful. That's not loving. And so when we, basically when we, when we withhold the truth, we are only left with the opportunity to share a watered down version of the gospel. Right. And why do we as humans think our watered down version of the gospel is greater than his? It's emphasizing 
to love our neighbors through truth. Right. And love has to be in truth. And so if we keep telling them like, oh, it's okay to keep living in your sinful lifestyle. You don't need to repent. That's not truthful. That's not loving. And so when we, basically when we, when we withhold the truth, we are only left with the opportunity to share a watered down version of the gospel. Right. And why do we as humans think our watered down version of the gospel is greater than his? No. And you know, I think uh, for those of us who are parents and we raised our kids, we know that saying yes and affirming everything your kid says and does is not good for them, mm-hmm. right? We know that they naturally are inclined to do things that are harmful, right? And it's not loving to say, honey, I know you're beating up your little sister because, you know, she took something from you or she said something to you. But, you know, but I just want to affirm you that you're you're a great person, right? No, love means you you correct, you you care about justice, right? You you care about right and wrong, and you try and get the the child to behave correctly, right? Because you know, in the end, if he learns those lessons with his brother or his sister, he's going to take those into the world and le- learn how to treat other people. That's the that is what love looks like. Love says no sometimes. Love says don't sometimes, right? Um, yeah, and and. As what happens many times in our culture is love has been twisted and manipulated to mean something completely different, right? Um, and, and if you don't have a, a biblical worldview to, to understand what any moral standards might be that are loving, right? And you're just left up to your, your own desires, obviously love is going to get really, really distorted, right? And that's why many times we have so many homeless people because... In love, we're simply handing them things for free and not requiring any change of behavior, right? We're handing them food. We're handing them housing. We're handing them, you know, all kinds of medical care, but not requiring that they change the behavior that got them on the street in the first place, right? How is that loving to let them linger and, you know, shoot up drugs and, you know, live in squalor? That's not loving. And so we have to... We have to start loving like Jesus did, training our mm-hmm. culture to understand what love really means. And, you know, as Valentine's Day is, that's it's an opportunity to, to promote uh, the real Jesus. Yes. And with that, happy Valentine's Day again to you all. And we will see you next week. <laughs>